because if you don't know your history, you don't know your future. And your future has to be what happened the early days under Martin and Jimmy Murphy, without doubt. And, and, and tell them that what Jimmy did about planting seeds of the, the history. That is the most important thing you can do with young players coming to my United. Tell them what the, their expectation is. To realise the expectation, this is what for playing for my United is no point for Bolton Wonders or Burry or, or Rochdale, it's point for the biggest club in the world. So, Paddy, I think today's show is going to be more about looking at transitions within transitions, really. It's going to end with a crowning glory for Manchester United, but um, very much the idea of um, it being a transitional period for Manchester United um, within, obviously, the transition of Ferguson, also for for world football as well, um, and English football in particular. Um, let's start the episode talking about the 1990 World Cup. Um, from a United perspective, you've got Neil Webb having returned to fitness, Mm. to hit that glorious assist in the cup final replay he gets mm. included in the squad for Italia 90 but Italia 90 is where it's all out Gaza's tears the fresh page of a new decade it's almost like a um, reset for English football after the yes. hooliganism of the 70s and 80s isn't it uh, oh absolutely so I think you can trace the fantastic wealth of the Premier League today and the popularity of football um, bear in mind that old geezers like me can remember where, you know, I was a football reporter and sometimes if I was at a party and people said, you know, what do you, what do, you do? I'd say I'm a journalist and, and, and I'd skate over the fact that I was connected <laughs> with football because it was, it was, um, uh, it was itself linked to hooliganism. But yeah. um, yes, the, the, and yet you have now, you know, you could, you, if you're at a party and you met a judge or a cabinet minister, you, you, you'd, you'd be able to say, I support so-and-so. Who do you support? You know, yeah. it, it's become, it has totally been transformed as an activity. And, um, and I think Gaza's Tears would certainly be one of the milestones because they, uh, and this is, might sound sexist, but they, they brought it, they, they were less, they made football appear less, and, and, and also the operatic background, Ness and Dorma and so yeah. on, all made football much more of a, a family thing um, and, and, um, than, than and, and across classes and, and, and genders and so on. Um, I think it was a, a definite milestone, so uh, you're quite right to, to, to make the point that that was not only the start of a new decade, but the start of a, a new era for football. Yeah. Very welcome indeed as well. Um, and yes. United, the the reset that was going was, um, like we said, internal within the the Ferguson transition, which had already um, begun. And I, I bring it up because it's so in- interesting to talk about the casualties as we did, like Jim Layton, for example, um, in at the back end of the last episode. But we also had Ra- Ralph Milne, um, who was a let's call him an expensive not an expensive flop but a, a mistake from United uh, from Ferguson yeah. Viv Anderson started to be phased out not so much a, a mistake but the point is that players that Ferguson signed he was now being allowed to replace uh, a manager being allowed to make mistakes and we had talked already about the benefit of patience but 
Um, I, I find it interesting we were talking in 2020 about this because you make a modern comparison and people will remember that Jose Mourinho wasn't allowed to sign a new centre-back because he'd signed Eric Bay and Victor Lindelof and mm-hmm. it was deemed too expensive a, a process to go through and, and even Ole Conor Solskjaer signed Harry Maguire and again wasn't allowed to sign a new centre-half reportedly but Ferguson in, in the early 90s he, he's showing that you do have to do that. That's part of the normal cycle of management. Even before his first biggest success, he was still overseeing a turnover of players that he'd brought in. Um, so, yeah, again, it, it does show good faith of of the board to back him to do that. But also, it does show that... Um, it shows how clever the rebuild was, in a way, because mm-hmm. or how long the plan yes. was. I mean, this season that we're talking about, 1991, was genuinely pivotal. I mean... Uh, uh, I mean... To, it ended this in 1991 in Rotterdam with the sweeping away, the final sweeping away. Always look on the bright side of life. Ferguson yes. on the pitch conducting the fans. It, it, and, and, and meanwhile, in the boardroom, Martin Edwards and, and Bobby Charlton and the rest knew that all doubts had been swept away. Yes. United were going places. It wasn't, you couldn't perhaps say it's a great team yet, but you've just beaten Barcelona just like he beat Real Madrid when he was with Aberdeen. <clears throat> you knew that that was all over. And yet, at the beginning of the season, only nine months earlier, um, there was a new face at Old Trafford. It was Ned Kelly. Now, you probably, you might not know who Ned Kelly was, do you? Yeah, I know Ned, yeah. Ned, right, okay. Ned, a Manchester United fan, a, a, a former SAS man, a, a man not to be messed with. A very pleasant chap, but uh, uh, a big, a big lad. And um, one of his duties when he came into Old Trafford um, was to just keep an eye on match days <coughs> on the manager because there were still dissident fans. You know, uh, the the the, the Fergie mentality was no longer in the majority, but there was still one or two. Yeah, who looked at the league position the previous season and thought, well, you know, what we're we doing you know, bottom off the table or mid, dangling around in mid-table. You know, this lad's had four or five years as manager. So, uh, yes, it was a totally pivotal season. I, I mean, because at the end of it, everyone at Old Trafford, if not perhaps one or two fans who, 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 who one, and literally one or two who might have needed to be convinced, uh, knew that United were on the way back to where they used to be. Yeah, we'll talk about the descent then. Let's get into that. Um, Fergie, having spent big, uh, more or less stuck with what he had this season. He had a just Dennis Irwin, who turned out to be a bargain at six hundred and fifty thousand. Um, but more or less, it was continuity. Um, league season um, finished sixth, so that was improvement on the back end of uh, what happened the previous season. But and we'll talk about the the you mentioned the makings of a good team but not quite a great team yet and we'll talk about the lineup when we get to the Cup Winners Cup final mm-hmm. but let's talk about the state of the, the league she mentioned Ned Kelly and the increase in security and <laughs> security was needed in October when Arsenal um, travelled to Old Trafford for this incredible game of football <laughs> but let, let's talk about the setting for this because um, Arsenal like you rightly um, mentioned in a previous um, show they were the team who were emerging as the top um, they were on the they were on the perch. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, they it was they who needed to be knocked off their perch. So, um, yeah, the, the, and in fact, in this nineteen ninety one season, domestically, um, 
Arsenal were out on their own. It was a magnificent team, a better uh, team all round than the 89 team, in my opinion, who'd won it in the 94th minute with Ferguson, you know, watching on television and celebrating as if United, as if Michael Thomas had scored a last-minute goal for United because he knew that anything that hurt Liverpool <coughs> was good for his long-term ambitions for Man United. Mm. Yeah. Um, the the game between United and Arsenal. Um, Arsenal had got George Graham as manager. They've obviously Ferguson. We talked previously about the defence and how, how good he was doing at building that defence. Mm. Uh, but oh, Arsenal's was um, oh, like yeah. Fort Knox in comparison. Well, they defended eleven man defending. You mm. know that was that was what they were good at. But they, they also played wonderful football. I I remember watching a, a match at Leeds. Tough place to go, of course, and um, they were just majestic. Uh, Alan Smith, very, very important player. You know, they talk about Wright and they talk about Thierry Henry, but what a centre forward Alan Smith was in his quiet, understated way. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, they, they, it was the physicality of that team, and also, like we've already said, the, the defensive qualities of them. Um, they're known as always having their arms up in the air, but <laughs> like that's get it right. They were tremendously organised. Um, yeah, Ten goals conceded at all all season, only eight away, and they didn't concede yeah. Old Trafford. Um, they won one, one defeat all season. Yeah, um, yeah. and that didn't come at Old Trafford either because Arsenal won one nil. Uh, Terribly bad-tempered game. Remarkably, oh, no, yeah. no one sent off. <laughs> <coughs> Amazing. Amazing. And it ended up, it was a 21-man brawl, and uh, we should really strike a medal for David Seaman. <laughs> yeah. Either arrived too late on the scene or decided that uh, discretion was the better part of valour. Um, but, I mean, we talk about Ned Kelly um, uh, 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 as a minder. He, he should have been ref that day. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty tasty. And uh, uh, really... Uh, but part of a pattern of the rivalry between Manchester United and and Arsenal, and um, it was it, it's strange to reflect on the friendship between Ferguson and and uh, George Graham because there's certainly no love lost uh, with the players as they as they went about their business. And after that, actually, there was an inquiry, and the teams were uh, docked, you know, an indication of as, as where the FA thought they. Uh, blame lay was that United were docked one point and Arsenal two and um, it didn't change the league positions of either club uh, as it turned out so uh, but it was uh, it was um, a sign of how seriously it was taken yeah and and I internally mean, as well by <coughs> the way let's let's give the clubs clubs credit I think Ferguson mm -hmm. um, find Irwin McLaren ins um, Arsenal find I think it was Davis, Rocastle, Thomas Limpar and Winterburn, they all got... Yeah. And even George Graham was fined um, £9,000. I've got a quote from Peter Hillwood, who was the Arsenal chairman. He said, Twice in two years is too often. Uh, the name of Arsenal has been sullied, and that is why I've taken this action. <laughs> it, it gives you an indication of... Um, you know, today, um, you would see clubs throwing the blame on the other side. It's good mm -hmm. to see, like teams taking responsibility for it in a way mm -hmm. um, yes. and, and and let's be right as well this this Arsenal United thing it had sort of stemmed from the previous season's game where I think there'd been a missed penalty or there'd been uh, some kind of um, 
contretemps of a, um, a terrible um, incident with a penalty. But even then, he went further back than that. Um, there was incidents going all the way back to, the, I think, the 79 Cup final. There was a bit of bad blood. And then um, there was... Remy Moses was sent off in a game against Arsenal and was um, suspended from the mm. the ninety. It was ninety three or ninety five. He was suspended from. So it went back a long way and yeah. sort of bubbling. And obviously, because Arsenal were top of the tree, um, yeah. it sort of exacerbated it. Um, I mean, I mean, it was such an improvement in Wenger's day, which was <laughs> which was to come because at least they went indoors, indoors, <laughs> and, and it, instead of the fists, out came the pizza. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, it, I mean, it, it, got, it certainly didn't get any better with anger. So, uh, Mr. Hillwood's um, uh, attempts, and, and bear in mind that he, his family went back uh, as, as, as the figureheads of Arsenal all the way to um, all the way to Herbert Chapman's day, yeah. when you know they really did care about the reputation of the club. Um, and it's interesting to see that only what was it thirty years ago? That's still. They still clung on to that uh, uh, regard for Arsenal's reputation. Mm-hmm. Arsenal miserly, stingy, but great champions. And yes. it should be said, f- five weeks after the, that um, difficult game, United went to Highbury and scored six goals um, yeah. in their the, league. Cup. The Lee Sharp match, yeah, as it's um, known. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. It, 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 the image of that game is of, of Lee Sharp going to Highbury and. Really, playing as if he was at Old Trafford. He, he had no fear. He just went in and, and grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. 6-2. He scored three, I think. And yeah. uh, uh, it was it was a, an absolutely devastating performance and probably the one for which uh, he'll be uh, most remembered. But they didn't win. The, uh, a United fan uh, stopped United from winning the... Uh, League Cup that year, didn't they? Didn't and, they? and a former United manager as well. Yeah. And a former United manager. We're talking, of course, of Ron Atkinson, uh, running a very, very good Sheffield Wednesday side, a side who would uh, return to play a huge part in the in the development of Man United. But that's for the next episode, probably. No. Or the ne- next what? but one. Next what? but one. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. The, the... But that Sheffield, <laughs> that Sheffield Wednesday team played a great part in in old uh, in old Trafford's history and, and Ferguson's the era history, but that, that again I'm running ahead of myself. So, yeah, um, Sheffield Wednesday under Ron Atkinson, a very good side uh, with uh, an underrated midfield player called John Sheridan, a Mancunian Man United fan, who scored the only goal of the game. So that trophy was uh, denied uh, to United. Yeah, and Ferguson obviously wanting to follow um, Matt Busby. And he kind of did it in this final, in a way. Well, followed an Old Trafford tradition of having a goalkeeper in, injured. Um, Les yeah. Seeley picked up a, this horrible injury on his leg and um, really played a part in the narrative of the closing weeks of the season. But um, yeah, on the day, um, United were just flat. Um, it was crazy to see how I mean, Sheffield Wednesday were really good. Atkinson, obviously with some Wembley pedigree, had got Wednesday fired up for that. And that was a good Wednesday team as well. They'd just been, or they were getting promoted from the um, old second division. So they were, again, in the days when the, the um, gaps between the decision uh, divisions was a lot tighter than mm-hmm. than what it is today. Um, but yeah, Wednesday deserved winners on the day. Um, and Atkinson getting one over his, um, his former team and his successor as well. Um, United were, like you mentioned, they, they finished sixth in the league, so mm-hmm. some progress there, but they, it was cup football where they were looking to um, really um, 
make their mark. But before they, before back we in, back in Europe, yeah, before we get onto their European adventure, um, we're talking about the things that Busby had to deal with. One thing he never had to worry about was his right hand man leaving him. Uh, yes. Jimmy Murphy, Jimmy was, Murphy was always there. He's yeah. always attached to him as an appendage um, for most yeah. of the time. Uh, yeah. But one of the major credits of Ferguson was both to know when the time was right for him to shake up his coaches but also to roll with the changes when it was enforced. And it was enforced a few times on him it over was. his time. And uh, this, is a, this is a point that can be made, you know, in the, it's perhaps a, 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 an ancillary point, but when people talk about who was the greatest, Busby or, or Ferguson and so on, <clears throat> one point is that Ferguson, as you rightly say, had to deal with the fact that because his number twos were, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, Murphy, people tried like hell to, 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 to steal the, the Busby magic away from Old Trafford in the old days by, by trying to hire Murphy, but he always said no. Uh, but uh, Ferguson's number two, who, who developed huge reputations by being alongside him, and Steve McLaren was still to come, but Archie Knox, uh, was who'd been a successful uh, number two uh, to him and, and a great old friend, uh, was lured away by Rangers, um, who were in a sense the sort of man city of the of the day because they had so much money that they were able to outbid Manchester United uh, or anybody else uh, for uh, for a player or in, the, in this case a manager. Uh, the, the United simply couldn't cope with the offer that Rangers made for uh, Arsenal. It was crazy that because you look back at, um, at, at Knox's recollection of it is that obviously they were at Aberdeen together and mm-hmm. Knox by all accounts would have been offered Ferguson's job. Um, well, that's what was Ferguson. He was. Yeah. He was. He, he was offered it. All oh, right. Okay. Well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was. He's quite right. Um, but Ferguson convinced him to to go down to Manchester, yeah. and it's funny that um, the, one of the funny things that I, I found out again in doing the research for this is that United offered Knox a new contract. With you know blind contracts, not knowing what Rangers had offered, and Rangers, you know, obviously it had to be improved terms from what he was already on it uh, um, yes. at United. But even that wasn't enough to to convince Rangers uh, to to convince him not to go to Rangers. Um, and really, you mentioned um, the affluence of Scottish football or relative affluence, because it yeah. it should be remembered, um, and, and we are. This is jumping ahead way maybe four or five years into the future and perhaps it's an indication a little bit like the NASL in in America where they speculated but didn't accumulate there was a lot of money poured into Scottish football um, you remember Brian Loudrup and Paul Gascoigne eventually ending up at Rangers um, so Trevor Stephen was signed by Rangers when, when United were desperate for him you know Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so yeah it was uh, uh, you know Terry Butcher yeah Unthinkably, as well, um, Ferguson losing his assistant. Um, yeah. I, I find it funny because he also did that in 1999. Maybe he he ought to have lost his assistant more often in the middle of a season <laughs> because yeah. he ended up with European glory at the end of it. Obviously, I'm talking about Brian Kidd. Um, Brian, yeah, and and, uh, <clears throat> and of course Steve Steve McLaren later. Um, you know, lost lost to England, but it was Brian Kidd actually who came in for Archie Knox, and uh, certainly um, 
<coughs> for the referees, that was a welcome thing, because David Ellery told me that uh, Kidd, in one time he actually saw Kidd uh, dragging Ferguson away from the referee's room, saying, you know, it's not, you're not going to change anything. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I said to Ellery, um, you know, it was, was Archie Knox a, a similar moderating effect on, on Alex? And he said, no, he said Archie Knox was worse than Alex <laughs> in terms of uh, harassing the refs. So, yeah, um, but yeah, apparently Brian Kidd and, and, and another thing that, <laughs> another thing that Ellery told me was uh, that one time before a game he was casually chatting because Brian Kidd was very much the good cop, you know, in the, in the relationship. And uh, Ellery was, you know, chatting before the game to, to Kid, and, and he said, uh, by the way, Brian, where, where, do you, where do you tend to go for your holidays? Because they were talking about holidays. And, and Brian Kid joked, uh, as far away as possible from Alex Ferguson. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, Ferguson's sort of relentless drive um, it, 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 although it was a privilege for those guys to work with him, and they must have learned, all of his assistants must have learned a hell of a lot about life as well as football from working with Ferguson. Uh, it was a it was a, a high maintenance job, that's for sure. So probably they needed them to be. They needed short term, uh, short term tenures. Yeah, um, kid. <laughs> Infamously fell out with Ferguson when when he left, um, but and it was assumed for years that Knox and Ferguson had, must have had some kind of falling out. But Knox um, insisted that that wasn't the case, and um, in, indeed he did. Um, he released his own book a couple of years ago, and um, Fergie did the foreword for it. So obviously yeah. they, they re- did remain close, and uh, I think um, Knox admitted it was literally just about the fact that Rangers made an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, yeah. Knox was still there when um, your relationship with Ferguson oh, <laughs> re- yeah. re- rekindled, wasn't it? Oh, God, yeah. This is, I mean, in the last episode, for anybody who didn't listen to the last episode, I told this story about how I was foolish enough and pompous enough to lose my temper with Alex Ferguson and, um, and, and, and give him a, a dose of my own pathetic, underpowered hairdryer. But... Uh, uh, it, 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 there was a sequel because, it, as we mentioned earlier, United uh, English teams were back in Europe. United drew uh, in their open for their opening match Pechi Munkas of Hungary from the beautiful university city of Pech. But um, because presumably it was very close to, you know, the driving distance from from Budapest, we stayed in a nice, uh, we stayed as the, the team in a in a nice hotel in central Budapest. Excuse me, and um, I, we were, a few of the journalists were in the bar, I suppose, Peter Fitton of the Sun, wonderful, wonderful Manchester Beat uh, journalist, uh, Peter Johnson of the Mail, people like that would have been there, the, the Manchester boys, and um, somebody said, oh, Fergie's going to come into the bar, and because I'd had this sort of row, uh, with him uh, the previous season, I was a little bit. I was. I tried not to show it. You know. You know how when you're a little bit nervous about something, you, you affect nonchalance. You know, you start <laughs> giggling and smiling a lot. And <coughs> so I was like this. Anyway, he came into the bar, and uh, you know, he says, "So you're yes, fitting what you having? What you having, Johnson? You know, what you having, Paddy?" And that was it. 
It was as if the incident had never happened. And I thought, yeah, that'll do me. You know, you have a row and then you forget. And um, yeah, so I got a beer out of him. I, I hope I bought him one back, but I'm not, I can't remember. Um, he, he might remember if he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he probably got it in his book. But uh, no, the uh, United made, uh, he got through the Petchi Munkash game. Uh, and then they were drawn against Wrexham. Yeah, and um, you lived happily ever after with Ferguson yeah, after that? Yeah, well, I was all right, but more important, so did Manchester United live happily ever after, because uh, that was a, a good good campaign. After Wrexham, uh, there was... Who was the next one, I guess? Was it the Polish team? Uh, Montpellier um, came oh, after that. No, Montpellier was the final before the final, in a way, because... Uh, they were a very, very good side at, at, yeah. at that time, and, th- and their their leader, uh, probably on the field, was was a, a long, lean man called Laurent Blanc, who, uh, of course, as everybody knows, ended up stand up at Old Trafford himself. But he, because he must have uh, impressed Ferguson on that day. Um, but uh, United had an even better leader. I think one of the best. I mean, we talked about the spectacle of Lee Sharp's display against. Uh, Arsenal away, but in uh, Montpellier, the I'll never forget Brian Robson's performance. It was mm. <clears throat> almost like you know people have talked a lot about how keen was Ferguson's coach on the field. Yeah. Well, I, I, I and that's that's very very true. At his peak, he certainly was. But uh, Robson, uh, Robson's, you, you could almost see him pointing to the players. You stand there. You do this. You do that. You do that. Uh, it, it, it was a heroic display by Brian Robson, and it got United. I think, I think they'd drawn one all at home. Yeah, am I right? Yeah, and they won two nil in a very tough arena down in the, the on the south coast of France, and uh, and it was a great match and a, a great United performance, and, and one that un, that that somehow underlined that they were a force uh, to be reckoned with at, at home and abroad now. Um, it was very significant. That was the quarter final, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Robson and, uh, thir- thirty-four. Then Robson. So it's like not his yeah. quite his last hurrah. There were a couple more, no. but that was his. I would say if you're looking for a swan song in terms of domi- yes. dominating performances like he had against Barcelona. Uh, well, um, that's that would yeah. be the other performance yeah. that you'd remember. But 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 I I I I, I, I just have the, this sort of battle between the two great players, Blanc and. Uh, and uh, Robson, two great leaders, and that uh, Robson emphatically coming out on top. Yeah, um, it was Warsaw, <coughs> Warsaw in the semi-final. Yes, uh, that was. They made uh, that was more routine victory, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Legia Warsaw. So, um, and that's United in the final. Off to Rotterdam. I, I have the I in my notes because maybe it's too much time with Clayton Blackmore. Um, I've put littered with great Blackmore goals on the way to the final. <laughs> a rather generous description of two two goals. Um, two the, goals. The first was an absolute screamer um, against yep. um, Pesky Monkas in the. It was the ninth minute of that game. It was. I, if you get the chance to see this goal. And I'm not just blowing smoke up Clayton's uh, backside. Yeah. For this. It is a. Tr- it, it cuts across it, 
Yeah. Um, he's on the left-hand side of the box. He cuts across it with his right foot, and he just flies. The goal it tells you how good a goal it was because the goalkeeper doesn't even move, and he's mm. some distance away. So, and he's beaten very cleanly with it's absolutely beautiful. No, his, um, his shooting, his shooting was superb. Actually, uh, didn't need Great to be against board. Montpellier though. Yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> it's from from about forty yards, but not um, the cleanest of strikes. Not um, not, not as uh, memorable as as the one you mentioned, but the. Uh, it, it was the best season of Clayton Blackmore's career, I would say, because mm. uh, put it this way, he was keeping uh, uh, he, 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 Dennis Irwin had to move to make way for him in a sense, yeah, because he was at left back, um, and Dennis was at right back, and and it's although Dennis probably predominantly right, well definitely predominantly right footed, he ended up a, a better, an even better left back than he was a right back. This was his first season, as you as you said, six hundred and fifty thousand. And it would go down um, as one of uh, as one of the greatest uh, signings of Ferguson. Definitely, if you were to draw up a list, uh, Dennis Irwin for six fifty, along with Peter um, Schmeichel, who, who was to come later for, for a similar sum, would go down as 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 well one of the top ten. Would you say? Yeah, isn't that Irwin, Schmeichel, and and then you've got Cantona. I mean, he got yeah. all of those for what for under uh, two and a half million. Yeah, all, all three yeah. of them. It's crazy. And all, yeah. You know, all would go down. Uh, all would be uh, mentioned in in arguments about United's greatest team. You know, you, you, if, mm-hmm. if you you're Dennis Irwin, if you you don't fullbacks, uh, you know, you, you'd be having to throw him and Tony Dunn into the ring. You know, to battle out who was the best left back mm-hmm. ever played for United. Uh, so uh, along with Aston, John Aston, John Aston Senior, of course, and, and, and others, but. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a great, great signing, Irwin. But he was at right back and, and Blackmore uh, at left back. And, and as I say, definitely the best season of, of Blackmore's career. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he, he was just, uh, he, was, he was up there with, with, the, with the bigger names uh, during, in terms of his effect on the team that season. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage, it must be said, of Lee Martin's injury problems. Yeah. Um, interesting that 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 two of the um, you know two home products battling it out for, uh, for that position. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Martin had a back problem, so he wasn't able to really kick on from winning the the FA Cup with that great goal. Um, let's before we talk about um, Barcelona, who United came up against in the Cup Winners Cup final. Let's just mm-hmm. run through that eleven because we started with them at Blackmore and Irwin at fullback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Les Seeley came through his injury problems. A little yeah. bit of a, a sort of dressing ground uh, dressing room training ground sort of conflict here because I think some of the players for a little while um, were a little bit uncertain Seeley was desperate to play and he did play but people were some of the players were like oh I'm not really sure about this because you know let, let's be frank we said it in the last episode Seeley probably wasn't as good a goalkeeper as Leighton but Leighton yeah. what he had was the bags of confidence yeah. and the, the, the issue was if it's alright saying Seeley's confident but if he's already sort of maybe he's not the greatest goalkeeper and if he's not on the top of his game against Barcelona, United are likely to be punished and they couldn't do with that handicap. Um, so there was a, a big question mark over a sort of half-fit Sealy taken to the pitch. Um, but they did have Bruce and Pallister ever 
growing, looking really confident yeah. together, a really good yeah. partnership that's developed into um, Brian Robson and Paul Lynn, some really strong physical... Terrific central midfield. Yeah. yeah. Um, Lee Sharp, electric on the left. Uh, McLaren Hughes. Um, it's not a perfect match up front, but they've got a nice combination going. It's not It's not a sort of Sutton and, and Shearer kind of thing, but it's, it's there's definitely a nice blend in there, different qualities... Um, yeah, and they're both uh, both players uh, who work for the team. You know, they're they're, they're good pros and and uh, and powerful. Uh, yeah. You know, they're not they're not mugs. They're going to work with the the opposition's defence. Uh, and the Bond player you've 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 missed out is a right midfielder. Mm. You wouldn't call him a right winger, uh, Michael Phelan, who who uh, he'd replaced um, a couple of years earlier. Ferguson had replaced. Mal Donaghy. Mal Donaghy was the guy who would, you know, play uh, utility players. Not, not. Uh, well, it was true of Donaghy, but you, yeah. you, you probably it might be a bit of a disparagement of uh, of feeling. But he was on the right side, quiet, you know, subtle, uh, but decent, you know, good. Yeah, he's um, not going to work the flank like a Ronaldo, but he'll, he's kind of like a when Ferguson used to have Fletcher on the right hand side. That's the kind of industry you'd be looking it. for from feeling. That's it. Um, that's if, exactly it. But you know, he's never going to stick it outside the left back and beat him for pace, and you know. Uh, so yeah, that, exactly. But uh, I, I, certainly uh, a guy that never let the side down. But let's talk about the um, Barcelona team then, because. It's only when you look back at it and you realise yeah. you say, "Oh, United played against Barcelona in the Cup Winners' Cup final, and United yeah. won." And then you look at that United team and you think, "Oh, well, perhaps Barcelona weren't um, up to much." But you look at that team and it's like, "Oh, well, maybe they were." And you look at the manager and you think, "Oh, well, you know, it's the first coming really well, of um, the, the modern this Barcelona." Was the, this was the awakening of the dream team. Yeah, um, uh, or it was just before actually they were still slightly asleep because uh, they were beaten by United but, um, and rightly you know well beaten by United uh, in a match in Rotterdam much uh, always remembered for the for the second United goal uh, the second Hughes goal officially yeah. um, in which he rounded the goalkeeper and with an incredible piece of technique as well as power um, uh, hit an un, you know stoppable shot in from the most unlikely of angles. Uh, that goalkeeper, by the way, <coughs> whose name was Busquets, is uh, Busquets' dad. Um, uh, Sergio Busquets, of course, the, yeah. the well-known um, Barcelona player of the modern era. Um, his dad, Carla, Carlos Busquets, uh, played in goal that day because, I don't know why, Zubizarreta, who was you know, one of the all-time great Barcelona goalkeepers and Spain goalkeepers um, wasn't there that day, and I, I I don't know why. I should have checked that before we came on. Um, but Busquets was in goal, uh, but they still had uh, some tremendous players. Uh, uh, Michael Laudrup up front with uh, Julio Salinas, nice little combination there of of, of skill and, and height. Um, uh, Ronald Koeman was playing as a sort of front sweeper. Uh, it was a bit of a fashion for those in, in, in that at that time, um, and uh, Pep Guardiola. Uh, wonder what happened to him. Um, <laughs> was uh, had yet to come into the the team, although he was obviously at the club, but he wasn't in the squad for that game. But 
another famous uh, or at least very significant Manchester City employee of the present time was left side midfield Shiki Begerestein who is basically the, 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 the I, I suppose very much in charge of player recruitment player judgment at, uh, at Manchester City to this day was on the left side of midfield that day Mm. Um, so, oh, another one who you'll have heard of, um, Chappie. He was called at uh, when he later played for Chelsea. Albert Ferrer was at left back. He was to settle down at right back later in a sort of uh, Irwin style uh, switch. And um, yeah, it was uh, there was quality all over the place. I think when we talked about this earlier, Wayne, you mentioned that Eusebio was in midfield for uh, Barcelona, which is absolutely true, but not not the same, not the same Eusebio as as uh, the late Nobby Styles' great adversary. Um, so uh, yeah, it was it was a good team, and it was a team that you know to indicate the magnitude of of United's task. It was a team that after Cruyff had further developed it. Uh, got to, won the, the the European Cup, the Champions League, a year later, only a year later. So this was this was no mean feat of United, and it was evidence to beat them two one. And it was evidence, um, as Martin Edwards late uh, told told me when when I was studying it. Um, it was it was evidence that swept away the last doubts that Fergus that the Ferguson's team building was to end in a very, very special team. Yeah, a couple of great omens. Um, it was United's first European final since 1968, so only the second ever um, mm. for a team who had all that tradition in European competition. Um, and do you know who sat at the front of the bus as they arrived at the Feyenoord Stadium? Go on. Ferguson made sure of it. Sir Matt Busby. I love it. That's incredible. Isn't that great? What an image. And the fans, He Ferguson told the story of how the fans, you know, to, to try and G up the Robson and all the rest of the team were banging as they do, you know, on the on the coach, you know, come on and and shaking their fists and all that before the game. And uh, Alex made sure that uh, Sir Matt was the first off the bus. And as he stepped off the bus, this wonderful, by now old man, the crowd just went silent in awe. <laughs> just gaped as he walked off the bus. He was still such an awe-inspiring figure, Sir Matt. And, and what a wonderful way to start the, 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 the game as a whole. You know, what a wonderful way to enter the stadium with this fearless demonstration of what they had to live up to. Wonderful. Typical Ferguson as well. Never frightened of tradition. Mm. Ferguson embraced tradition, and it was part of his greatness in my opinion. Yeah, and um, you, you mentioned the words, what a wonderful, what a wonderful, a couple of times. And obviously, um, Sir Matt's uh, singing of the oh. 19, on the end of the 1968 European Cup final night. Um, it's a wonderful world. He may well have been world. thinking the same. Uh, yes, uh, as I'm you sure know. he was. As you know, he picked up another European trophy and a very significant one because it, 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 it made the players feel that they were part of an elite, they're part of Europe's elite, and they, they, they should be winning the English title to uh, underline that. Yeah, and that was the ambition after after 1991, that was their ambition next day. Um, 
they had nowhere else to hide really well Ferguson did yep. he, had, he had to go and win the league um, and that was what the plan was for 1992 um, and we talk about transitions within transitions a theme that will continue right into the next episode but obviously uh, we talk about a team that's won the European Cup Winners Cup um, uh, one of the greatest nights in United history fondly remembered um, because for all of those who were there in Rotterdam in the rain singing you know always look on the bright side of life um, yeah. being attached to this great tradition of United it was the last great unexpected night really I, I don't say that say you know everything that came forward what, what we will talk about in this series was expected some of it quite clearly wasn't but before it became the runaway dynasty of success, not knowing where it would lead, not having the assurance of Ferguson to steer the ship, thinking that it could go wrong, and knowing that you, you know there was this night's saver against one of Europe's greatest sides, uh, one of Europe's greatest sides, I should say. Um, but United, yeah, um, they were a team in transition, possibly a goalkeeper and a right winger away from being a complete team, and we'll see if they get them in the next episode. <laughs> 